Hi guys, welcome back to the Talks Too Much podcast. It's Carla and Emily. And today we are talking about a cheery topic called postpartum depression, baby. Oh boy. We're doing it. We're doing the head honcho. If you uh, listened to two episodes ago, we attempted to do this episode, but had to reformulate our thoughts because we were just a little all over the place. It's a, There's a lot to say. It's hard to sum up. <laughs> there's a lot to say. And it's also like such a big topic yeah. that so many people have like different experiences with. So it's intimidating to try to tackle. But yeah. we're just going to honestly assume this is just going to be like a part one and we're just going to talk about it. And then we can always like elaborate in the future or yeah. whatever. But it's more important to me that we actually go ahead and talk about it than yeah. keep procrastinating it because I'm like, oh, I want to like, I feel that I feel this pressure to kind of like do it justice. Yeah. And you have this other, the second baby kind of coming. So it's like, you don't want to have that yeah. clouding your judgment of the first one, but it has actually been some time since it's been like a year mm-hmm. since everything really like hit the fan. <laughs> Shit hit the fan. <laughs> um, I was going to say before we get started, um, I, it's been so fun seeing all the people that are listening to our podcast and they like texting us and stuff like that. I always, if someone texts me, I like send it to Emily. And if Emily, if someone texts her, Mm -hmm. she like always calls and tells me or whatever. And it's so fun. But I was going to say, if you guys are listening, can you post it on your Instagram story so we can reshare it? Because I know a lot of other podcasts do that and it just sounds really fun. (laughs) This is a shameless, shameless ask. Um, Also, if you would like to rate and review the podcast, a bunch of you have on Apple Podcasts, which is so sweet. Um, But that obviously helps us get our podcast out to more people so they can hear us ramble (laughs) for an hour a week. Um, But really, it's just super fun that you guys are enjoying it. Um, I know, obviously, we talk about a lot of different things. So some are more, some people like different ones better, but hopefully you're finding something helpful. Yeah, we're really enjoying it. Yeah. So we're glad you are too. <laughs> Sorry. So what I was just going to say, what yeah. have you been talking too much about this week? Um, the thing, I feel like I talk about this all the time, but I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast yet, which is newly, which is the clothing rental service. Emily and I both do it. I started doing it, I think last September. So I've actually done it for quite a while now. And basically I wanted to talk about it because I get questions about how it works. Like if you like it plus size, like and so I just wanted to dive into it for a second. It's a clothing rental service. You pay like, I think it's like $89 a month or something. You get six items and you get them for a month and then you send them back and you get six more. You get to pick the exact items you get. I've actually done a couple other clothing rental services and there's a few that you put like 10 things in your closet and they send you four of them. That's how Eloqui Unlimited works, which I also liked, but I like that with Newly I can actually pick the exact items. For me, I just have it set to size 20 and size 22. So I don't even see what else is available. Somebody the other day was like, there's so much more for straight sizes. But I'm like, yeah, that's pretty common. But I just always just check the new arrivals for my sizes, which I would recommend because then you're just only seeing things that are currently available in your size. I found it to be so fun to get new fun pieces to wear. And because um, I am plus size, I feel like it, it opens me up to trying new things that I wouldn't normally try, like from brands that I don't normally shop at, um, either because they're more expensive or just because I haven't heard of them. So it's kind of fun. There's some I, there's some brands that only have like a couple things in plus sizes, 
but they have them on Newly, which is a great way to get to try them. Yeah. And you can and also, I just noticed for both of us, like it feels so, I mean, it is, it's way less commitment. Yeah. You can try different styles and like colors yeah. and stuff that you wouldn't normally actually buy. Yeah. And you can, you can buy the item. Someone asked me the other day what the discount code, it like discount amount is, and it's actually different per item. So there's items I have that are like 55% off. And then there's some that are like 10% off. So it just depends. It actually, I, I don't know why I was reading this part of the website. It, um, it's like, uh, live, like it changes based uh, on like how long you've been a member and they're like different factors oh, where it's like the discount changes. changes based on different things. Oh, I wonder also if it's stuff that's been there, like then rented more, like, like how oh, long yeah, something I'm, sh- I'm sh- yeah, I'm sure if something has been worn. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I, the last time I ordered, I got, I shared it all on like TikTok and Instagram, but I got, I think four out of the six things I got were brand new. So me like too. they had tags on yes, them. Yes, me so too. So if you check the new arrivals part, it's always, and a lot of the stuff I, I've been realizing they're getting stuff faster. So it's stuff that's currently live on, like I got two dresses that are available on Anthropology, but I got from Newly and I'm just going to tr- wear them a couple times this month and then return them. So because they're connected, right? Yes. I'm pretty sure Newly is owned by Urban, which also owns Anthropology. If I remember that correctly, don't, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure I know Newly is owned by Urban gotcha. and I'm pretty sure Urban owns Anthropology, which is why a lot of, I would say Newly runs like this style is a slightly more boho, slightly more casual than something like run, the runway. Yeah. Um, so it's perfect of, for my life, but a lot of dresses, Yeah, which is also perfect for my life. Yes. Because, yeah, the filtering is amazing. Like, yeah. when I go on there, they don't have a massive maternity section, but going in dresses that are the sizes I think I am right now, and then the, like, a um, like empire waist yeah. or A-line, like, the styles that will work with a bump, yeah. you can easily filter by those. Yeah. And it makes it... Also, it's funny how many things are popular that are just very like loose dresses yeah. which is perfect i know it's a good time to be pregnant in the world of fashion because i feel like so yeah. much is not like super tight uh-uh. super fitted things yeah no waist yeah no i know sometimes <laughs> you're almost like i need to add a belt to this but yeah. um anyway so that's what i've been talking too much about this week clearly we love newly yes we're big fans newly sponsor us thank great you great customer service too oh my god please that would be amazing that's emily's like dream partnership forever and ever i have a few her little uh, sustainability mind loves newly too. Oh yeah. But yeah. Cause I get to have these really fun things without actually adding to my closet. Cause if you guys don't know, Emily is a minimalist, even though wannabe, wannabe, wannabe. I laugh every time she says she's a minimalist. I, I never say I, <laughs> I know, am. I, know I say I'm, I'm an aspiring. Yes. She wants to be super bad. Okay. So what I've been talking too much about, thank you so much for asking. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> is Austin, Texas. Oh my gosh. She's a Texan now, baby. I, we had, Pat and I went for less than 48 hours for my friend's wedding. And it just kind of worked out that it fell right at a good time for like sort of a little mini baby moon and also our anniversaries in April. So there were a lot of ways I justified (laughs) it, but going to the wedding was the main idea. Uh, But we just had such a good time. John John stayed home which was really awesome. Our parents watched him and I think he had as much fun as we did. For sure. <laughs> I hung they, out with John John they, <laughs> And they had as much fun as we did, I think. But um, we stayed at this cool like 
motel place. I didn't realize it's kind of in the center of this little area with like lots of shopping and different things. And, and then, um, we just went to like a few, we, we weren't there long, but we went to a few restaurants that some local people we met recommended. Everyone was so friendly. Oh, I love that. The weather was beautiful. It was like 80, but not humid, mm. you know, a dry heat, a dry heat, a dry heat, as they say. And yeah, it was just a really wonderful experience. So if you're considering going to Austin, I want to go back. I think it's like the, it's, you know, the Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. It's bachelorette parties and blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. I just seems like there are a lot of little hidden gems and it's just really like colorful and yeah, a happy place. Places are popular for a reason. Like I'm always like, I know people are like, oh, it's so popular. And I'm like, yeah, it's because there's probably a lot (laughs) that people like, like, because there's amazing tacos. Because there's good food and like a good vibe. And yeah. I know. Awesome. I love Nashville. Yeah, I know. I was just thinking the other day I want to go back to Nashville and I was like, I've been there a couple times, but it's I still think it's fun. Like totally. And there's always something new to discover. Like you yeah. don't have to do the most popular things. Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay, so should we dive into let's get into it. PPD. PPD baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I had John John. October 6th, 2020, same day as our late brother's birthday. And I actually kind of want to kick off this conversation by asking you. Oh, gosh. When did you first start noticing that I was struggling? Wait, actually, I feel like I need to say, (laughs) like, obviously, disclaimer, I am not a mental health professional. And neither am I. And neither is Carla. (laughs) This is purely our experience, my experience of this. I cannot claim that, like, you know, I I, I know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, these are all things that are how I understand it, but I might not be right. So, obviously, if you are wondering or curious or somehow suffering, talk to your actual... (laughs) Yes. Healthcare provider. If you need a therapist recommendation, DM us because we can, um, DM us because we can, we can try to help. Yeah, um, for sure. If or you're a psychiatrist if, now. If we'll get to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> perfect. 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 Um, I would say, I remember like probably a week after he was born. Oh gosh. You be. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, like it's kind of, that's where I, I totally see how this gets so muddy because there is. I mean, I know you. Sleep exhaustion doesn't doesn't do anyone good, but definitely not you. Hunger also not, you know, doesn't bring out the best in anyone. But our family is heavily influenced by hangriness. Um, And just like you, I mean, there was like people at your house a lot. Like it was just like different and weird. And there was COVID was still sort of a thing. And Oh, yeah, it was really a thing then. Yeah. And it's funny because I I don't know if you remember this, but I feel like you were trying really hard to not let COVID be like a, like you were like, it's just, it is what it is. Like it was, but I was like, but it it is still something. It's still like, was still making life harder Mm -hmm. and making people more uncomfortable and not sure what they are supposed to do and whatever. So it's definitely an added layer of pressure on yes me and pat trying to figure out like is this smart is this dangerous like are we being risky which has sort of been a thing the whole time you've had him so like that that's obviously not never it hasn't helped anyone obviously um but i noticed a weekend i was like oh dang but i also think that was just like sort of exhaustion and like but he's something like 
his like umbilical cord or something like was bleeding. And you, you guys just got really nervous or something like that. I don't know. Like you called Pat's dad, who's a doctor and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, she seems like very, very stressed about that. But I didn't really think that much of that because I was just like, oh, that's like, it's like the first thing that's ever like, <laughs> I'm sure the first time you see blood on your baby in any amount, you're, that's just like panic inducing. Um, but I feel like a solid, like two months in where I think that you thought you would be feeling way better. Like, I feel like I started to see how much you were expecting of yourself and then not like meeting the expectation. And I was like, cause I think I said a couple weeks in like, Oh, do you think maybe you're depressed or something? Yeah. Which, like I said, it's almost like too, in my opinion, it's like too early to even really know because there's just too much happening. Like, I don't think that you would be able to tell if that's like a mainstay thing. Well, that, yeah, that's definitely part of why I think it went so long sort of unaddressed was because I always in my head had a reason of like something to point at and be like, no, that's why I'm like struggling. Yeah. Like he's not sleeping through the night. He's crying in the evenings. I haven't gotten to like, you know, work out or work out or I'm having some like minor complications of my own. There was always something. Yeah to say, no, I'll feel better when, I'll yeah. feel better when, I'll feel better when. Which like could have been true. Like that's yes. not, it's not in, not wrong to think that. And I think we've both seen obviously tons of moms that have that have to kind of go through that same thought process of like, let me try working out again. Let me try like mm -hmm. eating well or like whatever that thing is, like getting to take a nap or whatever. And then if it's not working, then it's, then you can kind of pick up. But, but that's, it's just, it's cloudy. Like it's not something you can, it was never like super, super clear, but I think once we started getting into the holidays, which was a couple months later, I was like, oh, she's not bouncing. Thriving. <laughs> like, like, yeah, like I think we all kind of thought like, oh, she'll come out of the fog. Like, oh, she'll come out of the fog. And it was like, she's not coming. <laughs> like, it's not happening. Yeah. And if anything, I feel like the fog just started getting like thicker. Like, like you were like more lost in it, not even. That's definitely how I felt too. Yeah. I think that, yeah, those first couple months, you expect it to be hard. And I did expect it to be hard. One thing that I think probably everyone goes through, but I definitely went through, was just the transition of going from being completely selfish to not and having to adjust to the fact that like someone is depending on me 100% of the time. And I think I kind of blamed that also as like a reason like this is, and I, and I think it was, it was, that yeah. it was, it's a huge life transition. Yeah. So obviously it's going to throw you around. Um, but then I just started to notice, I felt more and more and more. I, I feel like the best way to say it's just, I always felt like I was like on the edge of a cliff. Like it was just going to take one tiny thing to push me over yeah. the edge. I was like, agitated. I was exhausted. He was even sleeping through the night and I just never felt rested. And I just kind of lost. It was, it was so weird because I was like, I have literally everything I ever wanted. I have a wonderful husband, a house, and now this baby, I get to choose how much I work. Like I have the support of my family nearby and my right. in-laws, like literally what more could I need? And right. the like shame of that layered on top. 
and made it. Yeah. I think it's almost harder if you have everything. No, no, no. I shouldn't say it's almost harder. It's not no. harder. Yeah. But it's it's like more confusing maybe is that you don't have something specific to blame it on. Like, which I guess is what they, like there's like situational depression where it's like, you can like say, like I'm exhausted. So I'm feeling bad during the day. Like that makes sense. But then there is like the general, like I don't know what to blame this on. So I think the best way to describe how I was feeling, and this definitely felt like a downhill slide. Like I had him and obviously the beginning is really hard. You're adjusting to having this new person who's completely reliant on you, which is completely different than what I was used to, especially working for myself, having my schedule completely under my own, you know, control. Um, and then thinking, oh, when he sleeps through the night, I'll feel better, all those things. And then realizing that even though those things were starting to happen, like he was sleeping longer stretches, like breastfeeding was fine. I was healing and recovering. I emotionally wasn't feeling much better. Yeah. And it's almost like the, the quote unquote easier things got the worse I felt because I was like, I slept, you know, six or seven hours last night. Like right. I shouldn't feel this exhausted, right? You know, kind yeah. of like just feeling really confused yeah. and having so much like help and support around me. Like my mom came over for a couple hours for like the first few weeks because she lives down the street and she would like, she was so sweet. She would like make us breakfast or she'd like watch the baby so I could take a nap or whatever. And I was like, I have like the cushiest new mom experience and this just feels really hard. And then that just kind of continued. Yeah. Um, And I mean, I can kind of get into this, but I just realized how many misconceptions I had about depression that were really working against me. Yeah, I agree. I I feel like I learned so much through this whole experience because I definitely thought it would look different. Yeah. So how I was feeling day to day was like, I love this baby. I'm so happy to have this baby, this little boy that I could only have dreamed of. And yet I don't know why this feels like excruciatingly hard. Even though I can logically look at my life and see everything is okay. Yeah. Like I am taking perfectly good care of him. I'm getting up and taking a shower. I'm like eating, like things are, life is functioning. I'm like getting back to emails every once in a while because your house is pretty clean. Like you're, I, it didn't, it wasn't like things were falling apart, but just in my head, it felt like I was always at the edge of this cliff. And if like one thing happened, I was just going to completely lose it. Like I was just so I don't know if agitated, irritated, like fraught or something like, yes, just, and I was like, do I just have like major control issues that like, it's causing me all this anxiety to like go to bed and know that like, I have no idea when he's going to wake up or I just, there was so much mental chatter of going around in circles, trying to be like, what, what is wrong with me? Like, wh- yeah. and it all basically would come back to this feeling of like, why am I so bad at this? Right. Why can't I 
just enjoy this more? Why can't I be more grateful? Why can't I just be happy? Yeah. Just like simply be good with that. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, there was a lot of me getting really frustrated with our dog, honestly, mm-hmm. because just the like normal stuff felt like it just took a lot of effort and yeah. energy. I just, my patience was like so And he was limited. your last priority. Oh, the I dog? I mean, compared, like I your mean, husband I, and your baby and then the right. dog. Like the dog's going to have to obviously be at the bottom of the totem pole. <laughs> I love Coach. And it wasn't like yes. I was actually. No. But I just didn't, like when people would stop by, I didn't have the patience to like kind of, he still, he was only one. Yeah. So the dog is still a puppy. I didn't have the like mental capacity to be sort of like half training the dog, like mm-hmm. stay on your bed or whatever. When people came over while I was also completely focused on taking care of the baby and like interacting with other people around me, I would just like put the dog outside. Cause I was like, I just can't. And that's just how I felt. I felt like I just had such a limited capacity for everything, Yeah, which was a really bad feeling. Um, and that's just, that's the best way I can describe it is just everything just felt so hard, but everyone says being a new mom is so hard. Yeah. And so I was like, I guess this is it. Yeah. But I was literally journaling like, why? I don't want anyone to take this the wrong way. And I, I feel like these are kind of conflicting. Like I was, I'm, was so in love with John John and so happy to have him. But at the same time, I was questioning, like, why do people become parents? Like right. kind of what is the point of it? Because I am having such a hard time finding joy in this. And that's not like, that's not the baby's fault. Like I love, I love the baby and I want to take good care of him, but I am also like, this is just completely different than I was hoping it would be. Yeah. No. And I think we, like, I remember being in the room when you'd ask people like, is it just like really hard? Like, like you'd be like, kind of like wondering how do I like it? Because you couldn't, there was something to pinpoint of like, it's so hard because he's not like exclude, like he's also, even though like he wasn't, you know, maybe always, always sleeping well, but like there were periods of that. And you were like, wh- like, what is making this so challenging? Like, wh- like, what is the part? And it was like, you couldn't figure out where to put the, put your effort into. Right. Like, what do I fix to yeah. make this easier? What do I, because what can I do differently to make this better? Because I don't know what to do and it is not going well. And it's like, not comfortable. I feel, I feel absolutely horrible at this. And I feel ashamed that I'm not loving it. I feel ashamed that I'm not like, you know, feeling just so grateful all the time. I know and it sounds dumb, but it's kind of, I think there can, at least for me, there was a lot of guilt around like, I know so many people who have miscarriages, who Mm -hmm. struggle to get pregnant. Like I was lucky enough to have this baby and it, it's just not, I just thought it would be easier. Yeah. I don't think that was ever not a part of your mentality though. It's like, it was, it never, that's what I say. That's what I mean about depression seeming so different than I anticipated because it wasn't like you ever didn't seem like you were so aware of what you had. Like 
you weren't ever like question, like you weren't ever being like, oh my gosh, this baby, like it never, which, you know, obviously. Yeah. No, I wasn't, I was never like, oh my God, I should never have had a baby. Yeah. But it was also like, this started when I had a baby, which makes me feel like I'm not cut out to be a good mom. Um, but now I have a baby, right? which feels like crippling. Like yeah. that, pre- that, like the weight of that feels crippling because I can't figure out how to like do this well, AKA enjoy it. Right. <laughs> because we, I think we all know that like moms who are like, I feel like there's this, uh, idea, like if a mom doesn't seem like they're enjoying being a mom, that can be like, no, nobody wants that for their kids. Like they want to enjoy them because that's yes. a good experience for their child. Like yes, it's not just because they're like, I just want to feel good. It's like, no, because you know, that's better for the kid. Like, yes, it's mostly, uh, you know, 99% <laughs> for John, John, but also for Patrick, for you guys, I feel like I was just like snapping at people. And I was down there with coach. <laughs> <I'm just> <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> Me and coach had to hang out outside. I didn't need to. I just, I, I, the only way I can describe it is like, I just had such little capacity for like handling life and a newborn is really needy. Like it all went to him and I just had nothing left for anyone else. Yeah. I remember we went to dinner, um, at my parents' house and it was just like a normal, it was like a Sunday night or whatever. Mom invited us over for dinner and I don't know if it had been kind of a long day or I mean, probably whatever he was tiny, but I remember we were having dinner and he was kind of like fussing and that would just like agitate me more than I ever expected. I, as a photographer, I've done so many newborn sessions where the mom would be a little, like the baby would start crying and the mom would visibly be very stressed. And I'd always be like, don't worry about it. Like they're just crying. It's a baby. Like he'll cry and like, here, I'll, you know, he'll stop in a minute. It's no big deal. We're not in a rush. And, but the mom would like, to me have like kind of an exaggerated response to like, it's a baby who's crying. Right. This is not, this is expected. Right. Until I had him, when he would start crying, I literally, I could not even, I could not focus on anything else. If I was talking to someone and he started crying, I could not even hear what the person in front of me was saying because I don't know if it's like biological yeah. or what. I remember that. Like, I remember being like, cause I was also, you're not someone who like, like now, even if, if John John like falls down, you're not like running over and like, oh my God, are you okay? Like you're, you're very like, and I was expecting you to be, I think I told you that a couple months ago that I was like, this is what I was anticipating. Like (laughs) you were, you're like, this is the mom I thought you were going to be. Right. Where you like, were like, just not like, you're you're just a generally, like, I feel like you're not a, like, you're not a hovering kind of mom and stuff like, which is fine, whatever. But when, yeah, he would fuss for like, like it, it felt like the rest of us, it would be like once I'd be like, he's not like any sound. It was like, panic inducing for you. And I remember or my, our mom being like, no, that's like, that's normal. I, and I think to some extent that is, but, yes. um, but I was like, really? Cause like to the rest of us, it's just a baby crying, which is like a normal baby thing. Like they do that. Like it's not right. But me feeling always just like on the edge, he would start crying. And it was like, I, I can't, ha- like, I just can't handle it. I yeah. cannot handle this. And, um, oh, it was just so hard. So anyway, we were, we were at dinner at mom and dad's 
And he really started crying. And Pat and I decided like, you know, it was, it was late anyway. So we were like, we should just, we should go home and go to bed and whatever. And we get him in the car. It's literally a two minute drive from mom and dad's to our house. It's half a mile. And he's screaming in his car seat. And I, I've not, I don't think I've, I've never shared this with anyone. I literally walk in the house. Pat's getting like the car seat out of the car to bring him in. And I was holding like some sort of water bottle or something. And I walked into the kitchen and I just like threw the water bottle as hard as I could against the count, like against the cabinets on the other side of the room. I just like chucked it as hard as I could. And I was like, I like, there is something wrong. Like I, I can't, I feel out of control. I cannot handle how this is. Yes. Like I am so uncomfortable in my own skin at this point. And I feel completely hopeless at this point of how to like fix this. Like, because at that point I was convinced, like, this is who I am as a mom. Like everyone says, like, you change when you have a baby. And I was like, yeah, I sure (laughs) effing did. Like I became a person I don't recognize. I'm a person who like, doesn't know how to help themselves. All the things that they tell you, like, get fresh air, go for a walk, eat better, get sleep, da, da, da. I was doing all the things. I was doing all the things that personally for me have always made me feel better. I was doing yoga again. I was like journaling, journaling. I was doing, I was, because he was getting bigger and like life was a little bit more routine. I was able to do the things that used to make me feel good. I was working again and none of it was making me, it would help for like five minutes. Yeah. You know, I'd go for a walk and I'd come home and I'd be like, wow, I really, okay. Wow. I really feel better. And literally 10 minutes later, I would just be back in this place of like, uh, just feeling so just like agitated and heavy and life just felt so dark. And that's, it was like more depressing because I was like, I'm doing all the things. Right. And I think I thought also like if someone's depressed, like to me, the treatment for depression, which this is obviously I have learned a lot since then, but would be to be like, like you do kind of have that in your mind, whether you mean to or not of like, well, if you are depressed, you would do things that would like help yourself, like go for a walk, get sunshine, like get up, take a shower, yeah. get dressed. I was doing it all. That's what I mean. It, it does seem like you're, I mean, I imagine it feeling so depressing to be like, okay, so I'm depressed, but like I'm doing the things that I would assume would help the depression. And you'd also gone back to therapy at this point. Yeah. So I decided like three months in, I, so silly. Before I had John, John, like the summer before, everything was really great. I'd been in therapy since our brother passed away um, about a year and a half before that, I guess. And I was just, I was just feeling really good. We were having this baby, like life just felt, I didn't feel like I had any real like issues to address. And so I was like, let's, let's take a break. And you know, if I need you, I'll call you. And then three months in, I was like, "Mm, yep, I need you. (laughs) The thing was, I didn't know how to articulate what was really going on because therapy is one hour a week. And basically if the 10 minutes before I got on the call with her had been pretty good, I was like, she'd be like, how are things? And I would say, they're pretty good because like hopeful to a fault. 
Like you were like, if something was going well, you were like, oh, it'll stay like this. And then it was more like, I feel like it was like the heart, like the falls kept being harder because it was like, you kept hoping that the, the thing you were changing would be the answer. So like going back to therapy. I was, I was almost like desperate for yeah. each thing that made me feel better temporarily to be like, oh, okay. Long like term. I figured it out this, I just yeah. have to do this and I'll feel better. And then it wouldn't work in a lasting way. And yeah. it felt even worse. Cause I'm like, it's like process of elimination. Like what else is there? Yeah. It was like, you were trying, like, it was a, it was like that whole, like, just like think positive. And like, like, it's like you were doing that, but that doesn't actually work when there's shit really like, that's just not enough. Like it's one no. thing, if maybe a situational depression or a situational anxiety, like, you know, yep. one little thing, but when your your whole life is now this thing and you can't, can't turn that off. You can't like, that's, it's never going to be, you can't wait 18 years and be like, okay, now he's like, I've been depressed for 18 years, but now I'm not like, it doesn't work like that. No, not at all. And I, I just like, I was not at all trying to lie to my therapist or be dishonest. I just didn't know I like didn't even know how to wrap my head around what was going on with me because I didn't have any words to articulate it. It was just like, this just feels hard. This feels so much harder than I thought. I'm way worse at this than I thought. But every time I was in a like semi-reflective situation like therapy or the depression screening at my OB office or just someone saying, oh, how's it going? In those moments, looking at my life, I'd be like, it's going pretty well. Right. Like, I can objectively see from the outside, like, I'm not falling apart. The house isn't, like, our house isn't falling down. Like, the baby seems happy and taken care of. So I think things are fine, even though, I mean, internally I'm falling apart. But I don't know. I don't know why. And I don't even know how to explain it. So it was like, I don't even know how to talk about it. It's all in my head or something like, yes, it's it's like a, it's a me issue that I just need to like figure that out. And then, you know, we'll be really good. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So like I say, one of the misconceptions I had was that if you are struggling from postpartum depression, you have negative feelings towards your baby. Um, and I've heard other people mention that too. Like, um, someone that we know who confided in me that she was suffering. She was like, well, but I don't think it's postpartum depression because like, I love, I love our baby. And I was like, yeah, I thought that too. (laughs) Um, but turns out, I mean, I do think that some people have negative feelings and, um, I know a lot of people struggle with intrusive thoughts, like being really scared of like, what will I do to the baby? Like I had a, I know someone who was scared to go out on their deck because she just kept having this fear that she would like throw the baby over the railing, even though she never actually would, but she was having this like mental. Yeah. People are afraid to like walk down the stairs with their baby in their hand or something. Cause they're just like, I'll I'll just definitely fall. Cause they're afraid they're going to trip or they're afraid to drive because they think they're going to get T-boned. And that's like, I've heard that from so many people. Right. But everyone feels so ashamed to admit that. Like, why? Like, what is wrong with me? That's terrible. There's a TikTok sound that's like, says like crazy, like the sound is like crazy. And there are all these women have done those about like thoughts they had after having birth or giving birth that were like things like they're like just insane ideas that their brain like puts in their mind. Yeah. And then they're like, 
Like I'm, they, they were, it was like a joke of being like, I'm crazy because they were just like these insane things that they're like, who, how did I even come up with that? Yeah. Like, and I, but it, it is so, so mentally brutal. taxing because you also, you feel so ashamed. Like, why am I thinking this? Am right. I like, can I trust myself? It makes you go down this whole rabbit hole, at least in my experience and talking to other people that I've talked, you know, we've shared our experiences. You just are like, what is wrong with me? And it just kind of like shakes your foundation at the core of like, oh my, am I a terrible mother? And it's something that like people are afraid to share that with like their doctor or something because like you could have your, not you could, it seems like something that would potentially like flag you as like potentially a a bad parent. And like, maybe there's some way that like your baby would be taken away from you or something for having these thoughts. And yeah, but like, it's shockingly common, at least in the circle of people that I have spoken to. I mean, I remember you and I were talking to someone and she was like, I was scared to walk through doorways because I had this vision of me slamming, like accidentally slamming my baby's head into the side of the door. Right. Like you would a laundry basket. You know what I mean? Like when your hands are <laughs> in the laundry basket. Right. Like, yeah, no, no people, it is, uh, but I'm like, even as a, I didn't even realize just as a regular person, I have those sometimes driving or whatever, where I yeah. thought of like, I could veer off the road and I'm like, but like literally why, like, you know, and then you're like, what? Like you like shake your head of like, where did that even come from? But yeah. It's just that idea that like your brain just like comes up with like a crazy concept. I swear I'm like, maybe we need to all stop watching so much movies or something because these like, I swear our brain like comes up with ideas that are just not things that we would ever think, but your thoughts actually aren't you. So it doesn't, that's right. Totally. In general. But But when you're, yeah. But I think when you're, when you're struggling to begin with, and then that is part of it, it's really hard not to over identify with those thoughts. Like, it's so much easier when you're in a healthy place to be like, oh, that was weird. Right, right. You know, but then it's like, oh, I'm thinking about harming my child. That's very yeah, like un- unsettling. Yeah. yeah. So another one of the misconceptions, aside from thinking that you had to have negative feelings towards your baby, was also just that people who are depressed, like, don't get out of bed in the morning. They don't shower and get dressed. Right. They don't go to social things. They don't whatever. And I was doing all that. So that was another thing that even though at 3 a.m. I was Googling the symptoms of postpartum depression, I was like, no, I'm not depressed because just this picture of a depressed person I had in my head, I didn't match that. Right. Um, Turns out I didn't actually know what depression (laughs) looks like. And I think a lot of us have these ideas of mental health disorders where you're like, oh, no, I know what that looks like. But like, no, you don't because it can there are so many different symptoms and so many different ways it can present itself that you're not actually qualified to diagnose yourself as much as you want to. (laughs) Bummer. Yeah. I talking to my therapist about this, we were kind of laughing, you know, relating it to like a physical thing. We're like, if you have a weird mole, you don't go to Google and I mean, maybe you do, but like, if you're really concerned or even if you're just wondering like, this seems kind of weird. You go to your doctor, you defer to the professional. Right. And with mental health, it's a lot more ambiguous because you can kind of convince yourself of anything. Like I kept convincing myself, like, no, I'm not depressed. I'm not sad all the time. 
I have moments of being really happy and being really like, you know, um, just like totally present with my baby and enjoying him and whatever. But turns out <laughs> you don't have to be sad 100% of the time to be struggling with depression. Right. But that's a, that's a, a misconception that I didn't even realize I had. Right. I don't even know where, where does that come from? Just like society, like movies. I don't I, know. Yes. I guess just like movies or something there you see, a, they just put a depressed person in a very similar state. Yes. It's always like the same, like not eating, not sleeping or sleeping all the time. Like that. Those are the only like big fat. I feel like that's all you really like see. Yeah. Actually, I was watching the show Working Moms, which I didn't end up loving it. I watched a few episodes, though. And one of the moms on there is supposed to be the mom who's postpartum depressed. And they show her, like, literally (laughs) acting like she's going to drown herself in the pool. Like, sticking her head down. She's, like, laying on the side of the pool, sticking her head in the water. And it's just such a, like, dramatic version of, like, the... Like, I was really struggling. And I was never, you know... (laughs) in front of a bunch of people going to lay down on the side of the pool and pretend yeah, to drown myself. Like, like suicidal. Like that's, pa- and it's just, I'm sure people have very different experiences, but it's also like, it's not just one experience. It can be very, very, a lot of things fall into the category of depressed. Yeah. That are not necessarily what you think. So basically I realize this is kind of wandering and lots of tangents, shocker. But <laughs> when I really realized I needed help was, you were having your second wedding, mm. third wedding, third, third wedding. <laughs> and, uh, John, John was like six months old and I was sitting, you know, like nursing him or something the day before the wedding. And I hadn't even really thought at that point about like, how is this going to work with having a baby at a wedding? Like, should we bring like the carrier or whatever? Because I like was really, there were a lot of things that I realized I'll kind of talk about this, but like a lot of things my brain was doing to like try to protect me that were not actually serving me, but anything future thinking was really, really hard for me. So I didn't even think about your wedding until literally like 24 hours beforehand. Well, I mean, I thought about it, but, (laughs) but as far as like logistically with John, John and everything. And, um, I'm sitting there and I remember basically saying to myself, like, Emily, you're going to have to smile tomorrow. Like basically trying to give myself this pep talk of like, this is a happy occasion. I'm happy for Carla. And like, I, I do feel that, but like, it seems so like so much effort to like have the enthusiasm and like the energy and the excitement I wanted to have for you to like really show it just felt like this monumental task. Yeah. And literally saying to myself, like, you're going to have to smile. You're going to have to. And I was like, I feel like there's something (laughs) wrong here. Like, this is not. You love weddings. (laughs) I love, like, I'm normally so enthusiastic and it is not hard for me to get excited about like literally anything. So it, uh, that's what it finally hit me then. And then Carla had her wedding. It was beautiful. It was amazing. You smiled. I, and I, I did have a good, I did have a good time. Um, and everything with having John John there was perfectly fine and whatever. And then she left for her honeymoon and. As it always does. <laughs> and um, while she was gone, I was talking, 
I was sitting on the couch with Pat and I was just like, I started crying and I was just like, I am so like embarrassed and ashamed to tell you this, but I am not happy. Like I am like whatever, like this life, this, I, I, oh, I remember I completely overreacted to something. And he was like, what is, what is going on? Like, what is going on? And I realized not everyone has a partner who like, it's not a partner's responsibility to like pick up on these things, but he kind of urged me. And I finally just broke down and was just like, I'm just not happy. And he was like, yeah, I don't, I, I get that. Like you're depressed, which was such a huge moment because as many times as I'd looked up the, the symptoms of postpartum depression, I'd always convince myself that I wasn't. And when he said that so confidently, I was like, oh, well, depression is this thing that tons of people deal with and tons of people recover from. It gave it this, like, it depersonalized it. Like you are suffering from this thing, not you are just a terrible person, a terrible mother who just can't seem to get their shit together, which is how I've been feeling. And so it was actually like the most wonderful thing ever when he was finally just like, yeah, you're depressed. Like, can we like deal with this? (laughs) Because you're not very nice. (laughs) Well, and I think it, I, from our family side, we all were like, there's something up. Like there's obviously something up, but we, I think it's not that we were like, like, and like you said, it's not like you were afraid to be in terms of like the, the stigma or something of being depressed. Our family is very like mental health focused or forward think. I don't know. I don't Yeah. We're all very comfortable talking about therapy. Yeah. Like it's good in a lot of ways. And our friends are the same way. It's like not a thing. It was just, I think the idea of, we didn't really even know what you do. Like what, what, what do you change? Because I think, like I said, we all thought like, Oh, you need to like get out on in the sunshine or like you need to, you know, something like that. And it's obviously not, that's, that's not the only thing that helps. Yeah. So that was a huge moment. And then I also spoke with a friend who's struggled with depression for a long time. And I remember saying to her, I was like, I just, there's something wrong, but I can't put my finger on it. And she was like, yeah, Em, that's depression. And I was like, oh, like I've been trying to figure out, I've been trying to find this thing to put my finger on. And she was like, no, that, that is the thing. The thing is that you can't put your finger on it. It's just this feeling like there is something wrong. So anyway, I, I hope that that kind of makes sense. I realize I, uh, I probably, you know, went off in a lot of directions, but Um, what ended up happening was my therapist, I actually had Patrick come in for my next session to be like, I need you to tell her what's been going on because I don't really know how to like explain it myself. I didn't have like the words to articulate it. So that was really helpful. Um, and I, at that point I said, like, I would like to try some sort of medication because I'm just at the point where I feel really, really desperate and hopeless. And I, I mean, I remember saying to her, I was like, I get why people cope with things with alcohol, 
or drugs or like, I, I've never been able to relate more to that feeling of like, I literally don't know what else to do, but I'm so uncomfortable in my own skin. I need something to help me. I see how that, how it gets to that point for people. Um, so, I mean, I, I didn't start drinking or doing drugs (laughs) or anything, but I was like, I think that I'm very open to the idea of medication because I've tried everything that I know to do. Right. Um, so she set me up with a wonderful psychiatrist who I had a great meeting with. I remember walking in though, and I, you know, had taken a shower, got dressed, had on like jeans and a cute sweater. And I'd like put on a little makeup. And I remember walking into her office and being like, I should have just worn like pajamas because she's not, she's not going to believe me. Right. She's not going to believe I'm depressed because again, I didn't think I fit what a depressed person looks like. Yeah. And I thought I wasn't going to be able to convince her to like, give me something right. to help. Turns out when she actually <laughs> talked to me and then gave me the questionnaire, I was like off the charts. <laughs> and she, I, I said to her, I was like, I thought I was going to have to convince you. And she's like, do you see your answers? Like you are really struggling. Right. You, you don't need to like convince anyone. Um, so anyway, I started on a low dose of Zoloft and it worked really well for me within a week. I was feeling much better. I mean, do you remember that? Yeah. (laughs) I came home from my honeymoon and I was like, shit, hit the fan around here. So then you were like, you had just started taking it and you were like, I, they said it could be a couple weeks and you were kind of like, but I also think you automatically seem to feel better just based on knowing what yes was happening like you were like if I'm I was sure- like even if this medication doesn't work I know I feel like I have something to point at yeah. finally to say this is what I'm struggling with yeah it was like it was, I'm sure it's the same way if someone's having like random stomach issues mm-hmm. and then they say like oh you're gluten intolerant and they're like oh like it you know it doesn't fix it but it makes you feel way better to know where you're at least headed um but totally. yeah then the medicine def- made a huge difference like I feel like it was such a noticeable, um, just like general baseline lifter, like, yes, like patients getter. (laughs) (laughs) The way I would describe it is I feel like I, at that point, I felt like I was in such a deep hole with completely disoriented, completely unsure of how to find my way out and going on medication Obviously that's a very personal choice. And I realized I also had a ton of miscon- like mm-hmm. perce- misconceptions with that too, but it made me just feel enough better that then I could really in therapy and just on my own look at myself and my thoughts and what was really going on with me from this place of not judgment, not shame, not guilt, but just of like observation and awareness that helped me then be able to articulate to my therapist, like, I noticed this is going on. I noticed this is going on and really starting to like work through the actual things that were underlying why I felt so depressed and anxious, but I couldn't, uh, I I couldn't, I couldn't see before. Yeah. It was just this big muddy mix of crap. Right. Whereas then I started being able to actually look at it. And 
I mean, turns out our brother passing away a couple of years beforehand had a massive impact on me. And I've heard this from other people that grief really resurfaces when you have your own children. And it turns out there were a lot of things that my brain was doing to try to protect me from the unexpected, another unexpected death and like the trauma of someone passing away completely unexpectedly. Um, a lot of things that were just making it hard for me to function because my brain was so tied up with these, um, these thoughts and anxieties and worries. And, but like I say, I, I couldn't see that until I was feeling a little better. Yeah. So I ended up being on the medication only like three months. And that was just enough time to work through with my therapist, really what was going on. And, um, I felt really comfortable going off of it. Obviously I did it with my psychiatrist and you know, in like the proper way, but I think it was a little shorter than people are normally on it. Even if they're on it for just, I think normally people are on it for like six months, but I was just really feeling that much better. Um, and I also knew it's exactly like therapy. Like it's a tool in your toolbox that's available to you. If you want to go back to it, it's not a lifetime decision to be like, I'm going to go on Zoloft and like you're committing to the rest of your life at all. You can always change your mind. And so I felt really comfortable being like, I'm ready to try being off of it because I'm feeling so much better. And I feel like I've really worked through so much. Um, but if I need to go back on it, I'll go back on it. It's not, this isn't a, that's not a failure or something. Yeah. It's just one of the things one of the resources I can turn to if I'm struggling. Yeah. It's like a healthy coping mechanism. Right. Instead of drinking a bottle of wine a night or something. Like I think that some people do. Right. Which it's, it's like you, you cope with things one way or the other. Like, yeah, we all have our coping mechanisms. Yeah. So it's like, if you want to do one with a doctor supervision, (laughs) that's like a good, generally a good one. And obviously everything works different for different people, but it's just something to consider. Yeah. I know that some people have, um, like I have a friend that, tried Zoloft and it didn't work for her. And so I was just really fortunate that the first thing I tried worked so well, but, um, yeah, I just can't, I can't express how fun it is and how it's still, of course, hard. Sometimes it's still challenging. I'm still very much working on my patients and lots of other things, but it is night and day difference being a mom when you're not depressed. Mm. You know what they say, being a mom without depression is the fun kind of mom. <laughs> Where do you come up with know. this stuff? <laughs> I'm just making a joke. I know. I I hope that kind of made sense. I mean, yeah. what, do, what do you... Yeah, no, I feel like that totally, that was, those were like the hype. I mean, of course, there was so much more happening. And I think that's like, I, I even forgot that like Pat was still working from home the whole time, which was like a blessing in some ways, but hard in other ways. It's just, there was a lot, a lot involved, which I hope if someone else is struggling, they can realize that like, even if there's a lot going on, even if circumstances at the moment aren't ideal, it's, you still might be struggling with depression. Even if, even if there are lots of things you can point to and be like, no, this is why I'm having a hard time. Yes. I, I think that's the biggest thing that if anyone listens to this and is like, I wonder, 
don't try to self-diagnose. Yeah. Like, just call a doctor. Even, I mean, ideally a mental health doctor professional, but even your OB, even your primary care doctor, like you can talk to these people. And as fortunate as I was that Pat said, yeah, you're depressed. And like, you had thrown that idea out there too. It takes your own proactivity and like personal responsibility. And it it obviously, it took me six months to come to it, but like, you have to, you have to speak up. Yeah. No one knows what's going on inside your head except you and kind of not even you. (laughs) That's sort of the problem. (laughs) So if you're, if you're not sure, the worst thing that happens is you go to a doctor and say, Hey, this is how I've been feeling. These are like the thoughts I've been having or whatever. The quote unquote worst that happens is they're like, you know, that's actually pretty common. We do see that. So, but like, why don't we check in, in like a month or, you know, and like put it on their radar. And then like the fact that that's kind of like the worst thing that happens is you just get reassurance that what you like, yes, this is the normal kind of hard. Right. Because that's what I kept looking to other people to tell me. Yeah. Was like, am I just really, really bad at this? Right. It also, I mean, I'll just say, um, our cookbook club friends who also have both of them had young babies at the same time, like, thank God for them too, because they were also this like sounding board that I could be like, this just seems really hard. And they were the ones see looking back. I'm like, how did I not, you know, it it, like takes as long as it takes for you to come to it yourself. But they also were like, I think what you're dealing with is more than the normal, just like, this is a lot to juggle or I'm really tired. You're talking about something that's more intense. Yeah. But it still didn't like sink in. Right. Because it just takes some time to, and I, I hope this podcast gives people the idea that like, it doesn't have to look like what you think it looks like. And if it, if you're at all wondering if that's part of it, go ahead. Cause you don't have to, you don't have to do anything necessarily, but no. go ahead and ask if that's part of it, because maybe you can do something, uh, maybe like less intense than medicine or whatever. But even if it's just starting with a the therapist or whatever, just like, because obviously I'm sure you would say now, like, had you been able to know that three months earlier, like if you could have a hundred percent, I wish I had gone months and months earlier. Right. And just had the courage, I guess, to just say, this doesn't feel like it's working for me. Yeah. Take away the shame piece that holds you back from saying something. Yeah. That I kept trying to convince myself, no, I'm fine. I'll figure it out. Like none of us are equipped to diagnose or treat ourselves. And problems seem to just fester when you, like, it would be like if you were having money problems and you had the opportunity to go to like a financial planner or something, Mm -hmm. but you just kept not doing it because you Mm -hmm. kept thinking, I'll just figure it out. And it's like, how, like, how are you, if you've like, you're, you're not like going to suddenly one day wake up and be like a mathematician and know how to fix it. Like, it's not like you're gonna wake up one day and be like, I'm actually a psychiatrist now (laughs) and I know how to fix this. Like, it's like, you would just, if you have the ability to get help, like, go that route as soon as possible. Absolutely. And there are just so many different avenues to start seeking out help. It doesn't have to be a psychiatrist or a therapist. It can just be your primary care doctor. It can be your best friend. It can be someone that you know and trust who can at least hopefully get you 
moving in the right direction. Yep. We love you guys. I just don't want anyone to suffer one day longer than they have to. I, I obviously haven't experienced this, but I feel kind of the same way about like people like dieting and hating your body is like life on the other side of it is so much better yes. that you're like, I just want to like shout from the rooftops, like go ahead and just like work on that because you're going to be so much happier. You did like you're, it just, I know you don't know how good it could be if unless until you're in it. Like, yep. You really, like I say, I, I can't explain the difference of going from being depressed to not. It's a, it's a completely different life. Thank you guys for listening. (laughs) We'll probably do a part two at some point and you guys can, we'll maybe do like a question box on our Instagram. So um, if you have questions, feel free to look out for that. Yeah. Or just send them over to us. If you think of anything, Um, I know we'll probably have more to say about this whole topic, Yeah, (laughs) but we always want this podcast to be as helpful as possible. So let us know. Yeah. Bye guys. Bye.